Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 158B of Tales with TR, now available on YouTube. Let's get right into it. Folks, my next guest played over a decade of professional and international hockey in a glorious career that culminated in 2010 with an Olympic gold medal. This Canadian hockey legend is one of the most accomplished athletes ever in any sport at NCAA Mega School, Ohio State University. Currently, she covers hockey for the Sports Network, appears in the hit TV show Shorzy, and is also using her life experience and leadership expertise in her newest role of motherhood. She once battled on her blades and has been a spokesperson for many charitable organizations such as GLAD and Breast Cancer Awareness. She is a big-time Buckeye, a gritty girl, a marvelous mom, a proud player, a cool Canadian. She put her hockey skates forth in Sudbury up north. She dangled, you know, and was scouted to go. She helped her fate at Ohio State. Her legend grew in under 22. She was cut from the mix in 2006, but she came through again in 2010 when she starred at camp and became an Olympic champ. She swung and she swayed on Battle of the Blades. You know her name when she covers the game. I say name while Francois says Monome. I say my name while Francois says Monome. Ladies and gents, it's Tessa Bonhomme. How are you doing, Tessa? Good. Not just a pretty face, eh? Look at you. Uh, well, you know, you've got a very intro. I could have kept going on and on and on. There's no lack... <laughs> There's no lack of information out there about Tessa Bonham, and you've accomplished so much. Thanks for doing this today. My pleasure, man. I'm just, I'm impressed you still have your voice after that Collective Soul concert. Oh, it was a lot of fun. And we went out with them till four in the morning. Shut up, did you? (laughs) I had an inside track on where they were going. I said, screw it. You know what? Like, you only, and, and we happened to go down. And so JJ Wild was there, and she's from Toronto. She's awesome. She actually recorded at my husband, or she, um, uh, before her tour, they would go there and rehearse at my husband's uh, rehearsal space. Wow, really? Yeah, she's so she's Eddie has cool, a man. has a rehearsal space. Yeah, like I didn't I didn't realize that. And he's I, got a I, recording I, studio, rehearsal space, music we, school. We were talking briefly on shores. I didn't realize you guys were married when I'd first met him yeah. because I hadn't met you yet. Um, but okay, so this happened. So so 
Jill came in and one of, it was either a bass player or a guitarist, forgive me for not knowing here, I think his name was Daniel. And he, and he had, had he was quoting Shorzy. So, and these guys, you know, Collective Soul kind of came in with them. So I kind of had an end. There was a door open. I said, screw it. I told them the story about knocking my teeth out with a hammer. We yeah. had a lot of fun. And we stayed there till four in the morning and shut the place down. I love it. Yeah, it was good. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for doing this. So a lot of people want to know, especially when I, I put out that you were coming on, you know, there's, there's a lot, uh, especially in your lifetime, it's changed, but it's harder to track down a girl's progress, uh, at least when you started. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, there just wasn't. It, it, it seems to come leaps and bounds every year. And, uh, you know, for me, I started watching female hockey in like 1990 or 91. Yep. And, uh, you know, you came when it was well established, but still before it grew to this level. So how did you start? And was hockey your main sport? I started when I was about four or five, and it was because of uh, daycare I went to. It was a home daycare, and it was majority boys there. So it was my sister, myself, and the daycare lady's daughter who went there. So everybody was playing street hockey. So, I mean, I lived with my sister. I was tired of playing with her, so I picked up a stick and played um, and loved it. And her husband actually, uh, her then-husband coached an outdoor hockey team, which is I mean, I'm sure you played outdoor hockey. Mm. Um, so he coached an outdoor hockey team. And when my parents uh, picked us up one day, she asked my my mom and my dad if, you know, they were willing to put me on her husband's hockey team because she saw how much I loved it. And as much as, so my dad's side of the family is very... Um, yeah, he's a scout, isn't he? Yeah, man. He scouted for like years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard his name before I heard your name. And yeah. this is surprising. I think your mom supported you more, No. Yeah, right off the hop. My mom, my dad, so my dad played at uh, Clarkson University. Okay. He scouted, he coached Cambrian College to a national championship. He's just a hockey guy. And yeah. so you figured if someone said, hey, does your daughter want to play? She seems to like it. He'd be like, hell yeah, she is. Meanwhile, um, the car ride home, my dad was like, nah, my, no daughter of mine's playing hockey. My mom what? was like, she wants to play. She's playing. So she went across the street. We had uh, the the Lawrence, were their last name, Lawrence. And uh, their son, Chad, was about a year or two older than me. And she went over and was like, does he have any old gear my, so my daughter can try, you know, playing? And they lent me some Cooperalls, which were sweet. Um, I already had skates. My dad was teaching us how to skate. He, he That was great. But then when my mom was kind of like, no, she's going to play, my dad was like, all right, let's get her out there and we'll see. And when you uh, say you had skates, I know you ended up doing Battle of the Blades. I have no idea of your accomplishments before that mm -hmm. when it comes to skating. I, I'm guessing you didn't get figure skates, but I could be wrong. No, I have one picture of me in figure skates and that's about it. Um, my Grammy, my dad's mom was a avid Wow. figure skater. She loved figure skating. She was a big fan of Kurt Browning. Um, I, I, and for that reason, I was a big fan of figure skating as well. I just didn't care to wear the figure skates at all. And I remember she used to babysit wow. us all the time before my dance classes. And, uh, I went to her house after school one day and, uh, she's like, here, you want to wear black skates? Here's a pair of black skates. She went and bought me a pair of black figure skates. God. <laughs> This is pivotal. Just yeah. imagine those little things that you weren't thinking then. You're like three years old. But, yeah. But, I mean, that's a huge decision. Like, I, obviously, you start learning. For me, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but as a hockey player, I look and I see so many kids like that get a jump when they're good skaters because they have the puck more. It's hard It's hard to get make better hands when you don't ever have the puck. Yeah. So those people tend to 
end up developing a little faster. So yeah, you, you know, totally. so those are really, really important years because I had to work on my skating. I remember trying it like 17, 18 when it became evident on a world level. And I was like, geez, man, like <laughs> good thing I started when I did, but like it's hard yeah. now to learn to get lower. Like I almost got to change everything. Yeah. You know, and you got to get flexible, which is tough. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not flexible in your hips, knees and ankles, yeah. chances of being a great skater are slim to not it, so you got to do that first i remember it being such a process yeah. yeah um i was lucky i i think just genetics i you know everybody from when i can remember everybody was like man you skate just like your dad and i was like cool wow. that, that meant nothing to me i hadn't seen my dad skate in, in my eyes my dad was coach right so um interesting yeah but well, my dad played- was a great Sorry. skater so I mean, he was small. He's not a big guy. He's all of what five ten. But I find when it comes to at your five what seven, like five six, five seven. So, when I fluff my hair, sure. I see. I see. Um, well, hockey cards always exaggerate. I thought I, I saw. Know. It. So that's my dad. That's the scout. My dad. My dad's like, no, 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 no. You put five seven and, and add and, ten. You pounds. know, he's he's not wrong. Everybody did that. <laughs> I'm not six one. I'm six foot. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I see you on your skates. What do they know? You look five seven on skates. I was like, all right. So, but you know what I find? Because you play a lot of sports, right? You're a real yeah. good basketball player. I know soccer. I think yep. if you, you, don't you find a lot of athletes that are athletes that play a lot of sports have a good center of gravity? I, I find, yeah. So I think what scares me in single sport training is like, look at, okay, for instance, let's look at the best athletes in the world. So Steph Curry, for instance, guy could mm-hmm. be a pro golfer if he wanted. Yeah. Uh, Steve Nash. He could be a pro soccer player. He's unreal. Yeah. And so it's like all of these phenomenal – Haley Wickenheiser went to the Olympics in softball and Yeah, hockey. I know. That, that's still so – like, yeah, that's like They Bo feed Jackson-like. into each other. It's like the, the old cross training thing. It's true. You're, you're forcing your body to train in a different way, and I think that that only makes you stronger, uh, more flexible, and more versatile. And, I mean, I can't tell you how many times – you know, in playing hockey that my soccer skills came into, came into play. Yeah. And, um, That's the second, you know, the second hockey season was over. I threw my skates and my hockey gear in the back room and it was like soccer with yeah. soccer Good. all summer until August rolled around. Then I'd go to like one or two hockey camps just to you get the this. legs and the hands back. And then, you know, hockey season started and off I went and gone with soccer. But yes, I think that that, that makes uh, you all around like 360, a stronger athlete. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I, I would do the same thing. That's uh, identify with what you're saying. Yeah. And and I, I didn't want to get sick of either. I didn't bring my soccer cleats out in December, and I didn't bring my skates out in July. And that's it. Keep <laughs> it fresh and fun, man. Yeah. Like when it's fun and fresh like that, you're eager to learn and you're eager to go to practice, as opposed to like, well, off we go again. So no, you're right. So w- when you um. Ohio State. See, this is the thing. Yeah. It's it's a little easier now to track. You came into my radar after that, mm-hmm. um, whereas, you know, you you track Connor Bedard on the Regina Pats, right? It's a, so, but that part of the women's game is changing, but uh, which is great. But in the early two thousands, I did not realize because I've I've been to Ohio State. So I went there. I had I wanted to go see Paul McCartney. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? I, I really I went into Columbus and out. I never really saw it. Um, I, I played in Cincinnati. I really like Ohio, and I remember going back to Dayton a couple times. So I said, "Screw it, I'll just went." And I went on my own. And I, I went to see him there, and I could not believe 
everything about Ohio State, um, the, the facilities, first of all, but the how serious they take their sports. I mean, that must have been an eye-opener going there, was it, from Sudbury? I mean, I love Sudbury, but you know what I mean? It reminds you of small-town Canada. Honestly, when um, I went on my recruiting visit, um, they they did they did it right. They um, brought me to a football game and had me stand on the field. And before that, I'd gone to like a percussion session where the band plays and they, they, they battle and it's super fun. And then they walked me over into the football stadium and I stood on the field while everybody ran out. And as we were walking from the, bat, like the battle of the bands over to the stadium, um, we walked through a bunch of the tailgating stuff. And I was like, how many people come here and tailgate? And uh, my coach was like, well, when the game's on, there's usually about 30,000 people outside of the game tailgating yeah. watching it here um and then wow. inside it's about 105,000 people and i was like so that's like 145,000 that's the size of my city yeah. and i remember i was standing on the field looking around i'm like this is all of sudbury right here this is the coolest freaking thing and it was like an adrenaline rush and the guys ran out and the marching band was so badass and i was like whoa like this is serious and then you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets were there. Rick Nash was playing there. And uh, wow, yeah. it was crazy because, you know, our football players couldn't go to a bar. Everybody knew who they were. And Rick Nash would come out and party with us and he'd, no one would blink an eye at the guy. Wow. And I was like, wow, 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 wow. This is crazy. This university literally runs this state. And, yeah. you know, you see it everywhere. And I remember I went to my first under 22 uh, competition in Germany and I had my Ohio State bag. And I was waiting in line uh, to, to check my bag to leave. And uh, a, a man, a gentleman came up to me and he was like, OH? And I'm like, I-O. And he was like, hey, my name's uh, Dr. Greg. I forget his last name. He shook my hand. He handed me his card. He's like, uh, I'm, a, I'm an alumni. I'm a fellow Buckeye. I live here in Germany. I'm one of the top cardiac surgeons in the world. If anybody, you or your, you or your family need anything, by all means, reach out. And I was like, I'm in Germany right now. Like... <laughs> how is this even a thing? And I remember like, that's the power of Ohio state. Like yeah. we're massive and we love our, everyone that goes there loves your school so much. And we all just want to be, um, you know, interconnected and, and to meet one another everywhere I go, I, I, I meet a Buckeye, no matter what city you're in, you run into somebody that's from Ohio state. And I, I was like, this is cool. This is, this is more than just getting a degree right now. This is like the best kind of networking I could ever have. Yeah, yeah, Damn especially it. what you're doing. And so we, we, did um, did you enjoy the city, Columbus? Yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it's a college town. So um, like dollar beer, dollar bombs were going on all the time. And coming from Canada, I remember being like, a beer is a dollar here. And I could buy a case of Natty Light for nine bucks, a case yeah. of Bud Light for, you know, eleven ninety nine. This is insane. Natty Lights, that's where we went with it. Natty yeah, Lights all the Natty time, Lights, 24. All Always have the gross have beer, the, man. But God, they go down easy. And then yeah. uh, I remember my—I remember so funny. My dad came out to the bar with us one night, and he bought everyone a drink, and he was every buying everybody shots, and he was so pumped. And he asked the bartender for the itemized receipt so that he could take the receipt back to his friends and show them how much he bought for how little. He was like, "This is insane! I love this." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, it, that, that gets me too. I was similar in uh, Boise, Idaho, but but I remember it being with the Natty Lights, and we just took advantage of that situation. But I remember yeah. a couple times going back. So 
I, I, I don't know how your team did. You went there. I know how you did. Um, really, you're, you're one of the most successful players to ever, ever play there. But did you guys win at all? So we, um, when and I sorry, went what there, what is winning? Because I don't understand the. I, it's hard for me to even follow on the men's side, and that's uh, okay. so, I, so. I know that you guys compete. Is it the same NCAA setup? And if so, yes. Uh, how far did you guys go? Sorry, our, go our division is the WCHA, the Western Conference. Yeah. Um. So we play like the Minnesotas. We play Wisconsin. We play um like Bemidji, all those schools. Um. So our league is. Uh, and I'm not being biased here. We have the toughest league. We there's at any given time, there are five, four or five of the teams in our division in the top 10 in the NCAA. Thought so. Okay. And so you're playing a top 10 team twice in one weekend. And it's probably every weekend until you run into Mankato or a Bemidji. Um, and so when I went there, I wanted to go to a school that, um, wasn't already established. I didn't want to go to a school that, you know, okay, yeah, you're a good kid, but uh, a good player, but you'll be playing in year two or year three on the top yeah. line on, on the power play. I wanted to go somewhere and make an immediate impact and help bring in recruits. Um, and, you know, in saying that, I feel like the five other ladies that were a part of my class were equally as driven and had the same mindset as I did. Like, I remember when I committed thinking, why would anybody visit here and pick anywhere else? This is insane. We have yeah. the greatest recruiting tool ever. Who gives a shit about the hockey? The hockey mm. will come. Mm. Look at what you're getting in this school. And so that's where any recruit that came in, I told my coach at the time, Jackie Bardo, I was like, give them to one of us. Like we got this. And so we were probably a bottom four team in the WCHA, never cracking the top 10 in the NCAA until my junior year. Uh, we cracked the top 10. We were at eight at one point. Uh, we ended up finishing the season top nine, so we didn't make the play in, but, um, but we brought the program. Uh, I want to say we, we made it, we, we built that base on top of the base that the original, the original group had uh, to bring okay. it to that next level. We brought in Laura McIntosh, Natalie Spooner. Um, we had a great goalie in Cassidy Sove, who also trained with the Canadian team. Uh, you know, then we had Andrea, Andrea Brandley, who plays for the Swiss team. And then, you know, now the past three years, the team's been to the NCAA final every time and they got one national championship under their belt. So, and what's crazy is, uh, the coach Nadine Muzzerall, she is, look, I think I'm competitive. She's wildly competitive and losing is not an option. Um, but she's not like a drill sergeant in a sense. She's like, she empowers the ladies. So um, she'll be like, okay, here's our choices. We have choice A or choice B. I'm going to let you guys decide it though. Go in, talk to the team, the leadership group, go talk to the team and you guys decide, come back to me and let me know what you say. They'll go back and talk to her and they make decision that we're here to win. We want to do this. Sweet, dry season. Let's go for it. And so, so she's not overpowering, but um, when they lost this year, to Wisconsin, I had texted her. I was like, duh, man, tough go. You guys were looking so good. And then it came out that the next day that um, we had signed Kayla Barnes, who is a top defenseman on the U.S. national team, and Hannah Bilka, who is a young stud on the U.S. national team, to our team. She was like, I didn't respond to you right away because um, the – when we when we lost, we all the coaches sat there, looked at each other. We opened our laptops and we jumped jumped into the transfer portal, and we're like, okay, we're never losing again. Who are we getting? And they they called them that day. 
I was wow. like, that is so, that's awesome. Like that's, that's yeah. what we wanted Ohio state to be. And that's what it is right now. So not only do we have the wicked school, now we got a killer team and it's like so fun to go back on alumni weekends. I remember the first time I brought my husband, Ed, uh, and a couple of his friends and they were like, this is so crazy. I have a, one of my best friends, Aaron came down and I let her wear my letterman jacket cause she was cold. And yeah. she's about six foot two, blonde bombshell. And everyone <laughs> thought she was a part of the volleyball team. And people were like, yeah, how you doing? Like, high five and her, welcome back. Happy alumni <laughs> weekend. And she was like, I love this place. She's like, you're never getting your jacket back. I'm like, no, no, I am. But you're welcome to come back anytime. So um, previously, she was a, a Michigan fan, a Spartan fan, not a Wolverine. And, but I've, I've brought her back to the to the proper side of the tracks on that one. But anyways, the school itself is awesome. And now our team's killing it. So it's just wicked to see. That's great news. And uh, God, I, 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 I have to move on, but I have to ask you a couple more questions about yeah. that. So I noticed this. I noticed this 10 years ago. I'm glad I met you. I didn't actually think I'd ever get you on here um, or, or even meet you in person. But there's two things. I, I noticed that while you were at college, you had a lot of penalty minutes. Like you had a lot of penalty minutes like Milan Lucic. I, I, like you had more than two a game some of those years. Okay. Then you go in international and you kept, you're cool a lot of the time. So, because there's clearly a difference. So, I wanted to know because you just said toughness in that division. Um, what was it a result of? Like, you know, I played in the Western League in the '90s. It was really like, you know, it, it was it was tough in relative to everything else, right? Um, yeah. Whereas if guys went to the World Junior, they probably wouldn't get the same kind of physicality, let alone penalty minutes. Was that the case, or was it you being so competitive, going okay? I can afford to do it in this game, but God, we're, we're playing the U.S. in the final here. I can't take a bad penalty. Or was it just completely subconscious, two different games going on? So two different games. With Ohio State, um, my coach gave me the green light. And she was just like... You had a lot of penalty minutes. Like I was like... Yeah, Ooh. well, I had a mouth to go with it too. So I often didn't help myself. Uh, <laughs> so sometimes I feel like the refs were picking on me a little bit, but I probably deserved it. Outside of that, I mean, I was on in every situation, right? Penalty kill, power play, five on five the last five minutes of the game, starting the game. So if you look at time on ice, um, I was probably playing half the game every game. <clears throat> so, and I was hyper competitive and we were playing those good teams and we were bottom four when I started. So I was just making my presence known like F you, yeah. like for instance, Natalie Darwitz, I remember we were playing Minnesota. She had, she had been out for about half a month. I want to say with an elbow injury and uh, the first game she came back, I told my winger, I'm like, line up uh, as defenseman. I'm going to line up uh, next to her. Um, she had got kicked out of the dot, so I out of the face-off draw. Yeah. So I, I lined up next to her. <clears throat> and before the puck even dropped, I just gave her a cross check as hard as I could right on the elbow. And she oh, like yeah. kind of looked at me like, <laughs> who the hell are you kind of thing? Do you know what I mean? And she, I'm like, truly, who the yeah. hell was I? Like, she's, she's up here. I was just like, no one knew who the hell I was, but it was just like, you're in my house right now. This is, you're playing in the dirty old OSU ice rink and you're not just going to be floating around here like you want to kind of thing. And I didn't give a, I really didn't give a rat's ass what she thought about me, but that was my intention in the first two years when I was at Ohio state. And I wanted all my other teammates to, to see like I'm a rookie and I'm doing this and I'm standing up for, you know, the Jersey we're wearing and where we're playing. And you guys got to follow suit here. Like just cause they're good. Doesn't mean they deserve the ice, like make them work for it. That's, and uh, so I think yeah. that caused the refs not to like me because I was picking on the star players. Now, as far as Canada goes, I was maybe getting half the ice that I would at, at university. I wasn't on the top power play. I was killing penalties, 
Um, but def- definitely less ice time. But the coach that we had, Melody Davidson, was uh, uh, tough love. So it was like you take a bad penalty and it just took one look and you're like, cool, I'll be the grocery stick for the now, rest of the period. Was Melanie, I love that. <laughs> I love that you guys have the same terms. So Melanie, was she the coach in 2006? I know you. We, there was a bit of a hiccup and um, you didn't end up making that team. I think there was 29 or 28 people invited yeah. um, around high 20s and, and, and you weren't one of them that made it. Now, you must have used that for motivation. You're also yeah. younger and you get better. There's a lot of reasons that 2010 happens. Yeah. But I, I, who was coaching in 2006? Yeah, it was and the did same. You, okay, it was, it the was same. Melody. Yeah, Melody Davidson. Uh, Mel Davidson was the head coach. And look at I was so young and dumb. Like I'm sure you think back and you were like, "The hell was I doing?" Like but Mel Davidson played too, didn't didn't she? Uh, like not at a high level. Um, Laura Schuler, who ended up being the coach after Melody Davidson and after uh, Dan Church okay. played quite a bit. But my um, bad. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, that's I, all right. Um, I she, cut you off. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. So, it's okay. She was the coach in, in 06 and she brought me in as a young kid and I was like 18, 19. Mm. And, you know, I was just going there eyes wide open. Like, this is crazy. I, I literally had just made a four nations cup team where I played horribly. I was shitting my pants the whole time. And then I was an alternate at the world championships in Sweden. And then I was centralized and I went to like a month long boot camp where they beat the crap out of us for a month straight. And then it was like, all right, now we're training for the Olympics. And it's like, what's happening to me? I'm 19 years old. I barely know how to cool down, let alone warm up. Cause I'm just, I, I'm so young. I just throw my skates on and I go on the ice and I whirl around. I'm lifting heavy. I'm gaining weight. I'm getting stronger. I want to hockey's fun for me, but this is so incredibly serious. There was like uh, a battle within myself. You know, yeah. I felt like there was a lot of um, stress put on like mistake making uh, and making the right play. And as an offensive defenseman, my whole entire game was risk taking. That's that's how I played. That was the yeah. point. Was you know, if it's a fifty fifty puck, I'm going. I'm going every time. You better cover mm-hmm. me. Anything less than fifty fifty, I won't. But if it's fifty fifty or greater, I'm going hundred percent of the time. So when I was there, all of a sudden I started to fight that. And it was like, I'm gonna learn to play a little bit more defensive so I don't make as many mistakes. Okay. And it was like and was why would I do that when they brought me in? To be an offensive defenseman, you know what I mean. True, but I I can see why because you were probably a little bit you were overthinking it, maybe a little bit nervous. There's probably reasons. You're young anyway. You, you know you yeah. you weren't fully ad- uh, evolved as a player yet. Yeah. But uh, like, was it faster? Like, was it when I was it like when I would go say to 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 Montreal and you know for the first time, like it was considerably faster. I would think like how much faster would that have been than if you're in you know, the WCHA. Yeah. And like, it's definitely a step and a half up, but I liked it. I liked how fast everything was. The thing that stuck out to me was how incredibly hard, crisp and accurate the passes were. Interesting. That's the same shit that I would say. Yeah. Yeah, And there was no second guessing. It was like, they had the puck, they moved the puck, they're going. And so it was like, whoa, okay. Well, I'm going too. And then it's like, then you start doing that and you're like, wow, the game gets so much easier this way. Like, why would you ever play it? The other way where you're like dusting it off and thinking about the three options you have, like move the puck, get on your horse and go. Do you change when you play a lot of games uh, on Olympic size? Uh, you know, unlike the NHL, you guys play a lot of games on the big surface and quite a few on, on the smaller. So you really kind of have to adapt. Is that is that different? It is. Yeah, I found. um 
you, you pick your spots, but I felt like I was a good enough skater um, and a chippy enough player that I knew not to get myself in trouble in certain situations. So like they always say with international hockey, you play within the dots, right? Which is such mm -hmm. boring hockey. I always went outside. I didn't care. We all did. It was battle along the boards. There's a lot more space. Um, but I always just made sure I wasn't getting back to uh, beaten back to the middle of the ice, right? Okay. So you give someone an extra jab in the corner. You hold on to them a little bit. You, you grab their stick. So whatever way you can, um, just to make sure that, you know, you're not looking stupid trying to make your way to yeah, the back. Yeah, and you like or... to give that cross check in front of the net too, I've noticed. Of course. The go goalie bit. gets, you know, covers the puck and there's anybody close, you like to give that rib shot. Listen, um, the, goalies, the goalies save our bacon so often, so you got to dish a little something for them once in a while. I agree. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10 plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. So listen, you're there. Now Ohio State has ended. You're you're be, now before you go to Calgary and you play pro, right? You play yeah. Toronto. You're also you would go Calgary. You're playing pro. Is that now all of a sudden? Was that the breeding ground for 2010? Like when did camp come for 2010? And when did you realize you were on the team? So when I when I graduated from Ohio State, um, I was like, you know what? I didn't make 06, and Ohio State was known as a party school, and for all it was, um, and we did party a lot. We had a we had a ton of fun. Um, yeah. um, and I felt like I needed to prove to Mel, my head coach, that I was serious. And so I was like, I'm just going to move out to Calgary. And Sherry Piper was like, me too. Let's go train with our trainer. That's going to be there Olympic mm -hmm. year. So we can get a head start and we'll be doing skill sessions with our skills coaches there. And Mel can come see us play any day of the week because we're in Calgary. And I was like, let's do it. So I, I moved out to Calgary to prove to her that, you know, I, I was serious. This is the year and I was going to do it and I was buying in and, ah. and all that. So that was a little bit of an ass kissing year, if you will. I still had my fun. I mean, we hit up the, the, the casino in Calgary fairly often and, you know, went downtown yeah. to Cowboys and stuff, but you got to blow off steam somehow. So that's how we did it. But we, we picked our spots. Um, and then 2009 was when like the tryouts happened, centralization. Okay. I found out uh, she did the cuts uh on the 21st of december so right before christmas 21st or 22nd yeah because then you always fly home on the 23rd it might have been on the 22nd and then we flew home on the 23rd 
this time uh, your have, camp went a lot better. Yeah, way better. And yeah. you're more confident. You know the girls. You're a little bit older. Yeah. You are settled down somewhat you, from yeah. Ohio. I, I can you see know, how that would have been more comfortable. You know what made a world of a difference was when I was trying out in 06, I was trying to you know, fight my way on the team. And as a defenseman, I think it really matters who your D partner is if you guys complement each other. And I didn't have a set D partner that year. You know, I was subbing in with Cheryl Pounder, who already had a D partner. And it was like, you know, Poundy was a deadlock. She was going to make the team. And I'm just this young kid that's subbing in once in a blue moon just to give someone else a rest. And I, you know, in 2010, um, the years even between that and leading up to 2010, I had asked Mel if I could play with Carla McLeod because her game yeah. really complimented mine. She was chill like I was. You know, we weren't, um, we were serious, but like we had fun on the bench. Like we'd be joking about people in the stands and you know about mel i remember one time mel was on the jumbotron and she, she had her serious face and i so i tap carla and carla grabs her stick and all you see on the jumbotron is carla's stick come in and start waving in front of mel's face and oh, we're God. dying and then you know mel looks down the bench and kind of gives us the f off look and we're like oh sorry so we, we missed a shift there but that's where her and i complimented each other very well and because of that, I felt like I played more free and more comfortable. Yeah, I totally, totally identify with what you're saying. Crazy, man, yeah. how much it makes a difference. Because then yeah. it's less thinking, it's more doing, you know? Yeah. And um, after 2010, Carla was like, I'm going to retire. I'm like, don't, like my career is going to be over. Don't do it. And then another young kid came up um, who you would like the way she plays, Jocelyn LaRock. I know And uh, she played like Carla. And I was like, I want to play with her. And I thought as a vet, I would have a, a pick. But the coach, the coach has changed, and that guy uh, wasn't a big fan of me. And, um, yeah, so I basically didn't get my D partner. I was thrown back to, like, 7th D and um, really had to work for anything that I wanted, which you should have to anyways, um, yeah. but even just a sniff of anything. And then, uh, yeah, I just retired in 2013. I was like, this is enough. I'm, I've had my fun. I got my gold medal. That's all I need. Who needs and two? I mean, you got one. Give someone else a chance. Speaking of that, I like that attitude. Uh, yeah, and you look, there's nothing wrong with saying you accomplished a lot early. I mean, you know, and you did, and um, through hard work and and you know, a lot of other things. But you you really had, so I can see why you made your decision. And uh, it's not like you took yourself right out of the game completely. But and with all those world championships and four nations cups and representing your country all that time all those times and i know there's wins and a world championship feel great you're the best in the world but fucking olympics yeah. i remember you telling a story about being in vancouver you were quite a way aways from what was happening and i believe maybe there was um was it billado alex billado maybe yeah. just okay so he gets a goal he wins or, canada's first gold at the okay, olympics and you could yeah. hear the people cheer, right? Am I, am I wrong with that? I, I, so, I've heard you tell this story somewhere. Yeah. So where they had the Athletes Village was on the other side of the water. Downtown, uh, if we looked out of our, our patio, we could see downtown. You know, we could see the dome. Um, we could see the downtown buildings. And we were on the other side. And uh, so we it, it was Vancouver. It was basically like spring when, <laughs> when the Olympics were going on there. So we had our patio door open. And we're all hanging out in our common area watching. And uh, Jen Heil had just gotten the silver the day before, I believe. Um, and we truly thought that she she was going to be the one. She wasn't. So we're watching Billado. We're like, all right, like, is this guy going to pull it off? 
Yeah. And he did. And when he did, we were all like about to cheer. And all of a sudden, uh, across the way, uh, fireworks go off on the dome. And we could hear downtown. The entire, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. The entire downtown erupted. Like we didn't even have to cheer. It was like bellowing in through our patio door. And we were like, holy shit. And in that moment, we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, okay, we got to be like, there's work to do here. Like we got to win for those. God, I, that, that okay. That was my question. Yeah, I heard you. I think you might have told the story in Moncton when we were there a few years, weeks ago. But you, that was my question. Like when you heard that, it's one thing to be Canadian and love it, yeah. but the realization must have come like, like, "Fuck, we're playing. For, we're going to be in this position, yeah. and all those people are going to be looking at like." Yeah. For me, I don't mean that in a in a no. That's bad the expectation. Way. I mean that's good at nervous anxiety. Yeah. Right. That was it. It was and it was cool because it was like. You know, as in women's hockey, you know, in a non-Olympic year, sometimes with the World Championships isn't in Canada. People don't really know that it's going on because um, mm-hmm. we're playing at off times and our games get aired different times or whatever. And I feel like people truly only used to only buy into women's hockey every four years. Mm-hmm. And so Vancouver was that year. And we finally had everyone's attention. And it was a year when Canada was just like, hell yeah, we're Canada. And it was like, we oh, had this bravado okay. about us. And a little bit of swagger, if you will. And so then it was like, okay, we've got everyone's attention. Let's get to work here. Let's get the job done. And the thing is, is like that year, the Americans had a good team. They had a good team, but there was no way they were beating us. The only way we were losing. You guys so determined. The only way we were losing truly is if we beat ourselves. That is it. Our, <laughs> our three goal, the three goalies we had and, and this is no knock on their goalies because they do they did have good goaltenders. Jesse Vetter was unbelievable, but our three goalies were better than their mm-hmm. starting goalie. So we could have yahtzeed whoever we wanted to start in net, and we would have won. And that's not taken away from Shannon Zabados's performance because, my God, did she ever stand on her head for us? Yeah. She, we killed off a five-on-three late in that game. Um, but, like, our team was was good, and that was the sentiment. Like, you guys aren't beating us. This is on us. Like, if God, we do what, what we're doing, we're winning. This feeling. Is what a feeling. I just can't imagine. We I mean, the whole country's gripped. The, I mean, yeah. the whole and, world is watching. I mean, it's not the always the And the coolest part where- was after warm-ups, um, we went off, and then we were walking up to go on for the start of the game, obviously. Yeah. And uh, so we're all lined up waiting to go out, and all of a sudden they started playing I Got a Feeling. And we all kind of were like, "Yeah, that, that's the feeling, like. You got a feeling. You literally got a feeling. Now, so I mean, the win must have been, (laughs) I I wouldn't know, stuff like that you can't put into words, okay? But I I know that you play the game. There was a, wasn't there two or three girls on the team that weren't old enough to drink in Vancouver? Weren't they 17 (laughs) or 18? Right? That was Poulet. She was literally, she had a goal or two. She was turning 19 like the next day. And she's legal in her own (laughs) province. But like, let's get real for a second. If your 18-year-old daughter scored the only two goals in an Olympic final to capture gold on home soil, on home soil, that is 20 times as hard as just winning gold anywhere else. Are you not going to hand the kid a beer? I mean... I would, but you know, you're, you know. You're, you're, I mean, imagine if if there's one time to do it. I can't. I don't know if you get. Didn't you get a slap on the wrist for smoking a cigar or something? But they wanted Part to this... kick us out of Athletes Village. Yeah, that's so, how mad they were because really? we were smoking in an Olympic but venue. How, okay, so did you guys buy the cigars before the game and have them on hand? Uh, so this is another 
story. My sister, uh, she called a cigar shop prior to the gold medal game and was like, ah, it came from you yourself. I, oh, your, your family. Oh. I didn't even know. That's the thing. I didn't know. So she called the cigar shop was like, I need you to deliver. They're like, we don't deliver. And she's like, well, my sister's in the gold medal final. She was playing for team Canada and I need cigars in case they win. And the guy was like, I'll send my son on a bike. And so she's like, I want, I don't want big fat ones. I want skinny, longer ones that are nice, that are tasty. So she drops a ton of cash on these fancy cigars, which by the way, after the gold medal final, the cigar aficionado uh, magazine has us as they're, you open the page and there we are. They're like, these ladies picked a fantastic (laughs) cigar to celebrate with. I was like, anyways. Oh boy, that is just. So my sister, there's so much much. security there, smuggles these in somehow and dishes them off to my trainer during warmups. And so after we win, I was kind of like the the social leader on the team, if you will. Yeah. So when I went back to my stall, they were in there. And so I just figured Hockey Canada had got us cigars. That's very kind. And I they put them there because I would be the one to hand them out and get the party started and whatever. So I'm going around, handing them to people, handing them to the Prime Minister Harper. He's teaching me how to cut and light them because I'd never smoked a cigar God, before that. I mean... And and then we're, we're like, we got to go out on the ice with the Lucky Looney. It, it was a tradition that they started in 02 and we're not mm. breaking it. So we went back out on the ice with our big bottles of beer and our cigars and we were just skating around enjoying our moment Good. and there were cameras there i guess i didn't even notice i didn't care who was out there and uh, the next morning uh we woke up to a lot of trouble and poor wick and poor Pooh had to go talk to media and apologize for something we weren't sorry for and uh yeah i don't know the thing is is like as much as like that was a, a blip in the radar those pictures are glorious and they were everywhere and the greatest thing is usually after we won right the next day it would be like all right the men's hockey team is up next and or can they do it can canada double down on gold but because of that controversy and those wicked pictures we were in the paper every day we were front page leading up to the men's final my friend was living in london uh my friend katie and she was like is there a reason why you're on the front page of the London Times smoking a Un- cigar with shutter, shutter shades on? Such so a great decision out. to get those fucking cigars. I know, right? That was my sister. My sister and my cousin Ryan. And my cousin Ryan was working uh, at, for Vanock up at the um, bobsleigh track. And he had worked, he had picked, he had swapped shifts with someone <laughs> and basically almost worked 24 hours straight, hitchhiked down to Vancouver because he, he got a ticket and sat next to an older woman and watched my game solo. He would meet my sister in the intermissions, chug a cigar and smoke a cigarette and go back and hold this old lady's hand watching the game. And he was like my brother from another growing up. So it was so perfect that he was there. Um, anyways, and then, so after it all happened, my sister called me the next morning and she's like, am I in trouble? And I'm like, why would you be in trouble? And she was like, well, I got you guys those cigars. I'm like, you partied all night. You never even told me that. like thank you so much she did a great thing yeah and she was like if anybody has to take the fall i'll do it i'm like Brittany, no that's ridiculous so then we said our stories we had a meeting with the coc and um the reason why they wanted to kick us out of the uh 
out of the athletes' villages because originally it was only supposed to be Wick, Megan Augusta, Mary Philip Poulain, and Shannon Zabados going to CTV to do okay. the interviews or CBC, whatever it was at the time, CTV yeah. to do the interviews, uh, the post game interviews. And so they had their um, the proper garb to wear, so like your podium wear. Everyone else didn't. I packed my party clothes. I was like, Nah, we're going out. I'm not. Why do we need that stuff? Yeah. So we're, I'm in the, the Canada hockey, Canada party house with a ton of other people partying with our family. And Mel calls me. She's like, rally the troops. Everyone's getting on the bus. We all have to go to CTV. Melody Davidson, you mean called? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Oh, oh okay. So I collect everyone. I'm like, guys, we got to go back. Yeah. So we go back to the rink. Augusta and I get a towel. We empty the beers out of the coolers there into a towel. We drag them on the bus. We're like halfway there. And I think, I can't remember who said it, but someone was like, well, we don't need, we don't even have our podium gear. Are we allowed? We were decked out in like Nike, everything. Nike gave us these gold high tops that had like sequins on them. They're so badass. These black and gold um, Jordan high tops with these slick white zip ups with like golden everything, a red leaf on the side with the date. We look sharp. And so we go on air which is a Hudson's Bay area spattered in Nike just and the shiniest, most standout stuff. So we're in trouble, obviously. And so the COC is like, we got to kick you guys out of here. And we're like, good luck telling everyone that you just kicked the gold medal winning team out of the athletes. This isn't happening. Like, come on. We're not doing this. Yeah. So then they're like, okay, fine. But like, I forget, I don't even remember. I forget what the negotiation was. I'm pretty sure Wick stepped up to bat for us and was like, you're not doing that. Well, good. I mean, those yeah. people, Jesus Christ. So I know, but it was so funny. It was such a whirlwind. And the thing is, is like, you're not sober for any of it, right? Like, yeah, how- at all. So things are happening. And it's just funny. Like, you're, I, I remember laughing the entire time. I'm like, are, is this real? Like, did are we have- really talking about, do you know what we just did? Like, who cares? It wouldn't Anyways. pick in for me till days later. Did did you were you wearing the medal the whole time? I'd worry about losing it, it. I took okay. it off when I showered. Good. Yeah. I because I, I would I know myself and I would like I go out even sometimes and I leave I, like my tooth, for example, sometimes. <laughs> Honestly, like if, if I had a medal like that, I just know it and I would be the type that go to the bar and yeah, sure, you can have a look at it and then oh God, oh, what I, happened? Yeah. So I'm glad you had the foresight. What do you do with it now? Um it is, it's in our safe. It's usually in my underwear drawer. I never really had a place to put it. And then my husband and I got a safe, so I put it in wall. there. I, I could and I should. Oh, you should. You'd work yeah, with I feel like we take it to so champion. many events, though. And the ring, uh, the Olympic ring is also pretty flashy. I would put that thing out more. Yeah, well, you really should. Look, I got a ring on. This is the Masters. Oh, yeah. All Hockey World Championship, Team nice. Canada 2018. And I wear it. I, I wear one of them. I I won four or five to some degree in my hockey, ball hockey career. And honestly, yeah. it was, it was hard, it, you know, it takes a lot of work. So if I had won an Olympic medal, not that you got to do what I do, but I, I recommend wearing or at least putting that thing on your wall. Yeah, um, totally. Uh so, listen, I got to go in about five minutes. My daughter has okay. a soccer game. But uh, I want to just uh, – a, f- a few more quick questions, if that's okay. Yeah, hit me. Do you, st- do you talk to Sherry Piper anymore? You know when I met her in 2004, 
I was on for one year. I played on Team Canada inline hockey team, and yeah. she was on the women's team. And the worlds were in London, and we all stayed in the same floor of the same hotel. It was so much fun. I can yeah, only and I imagine her being so fun. Yeah. I haven't talked to her since. We had a great time, but like she's a blast. Her, but just everybody, we all did. Yeah, yeah. Pipes was one of my favorite teammates playing. Good. She. Um, she was so incredibly skilled and like had the hardest shot and everything looked so strong effortless. Too, man. She was God. strong. On, on everything the looked so effortless. It was like, mm. what? Her sprint speed was wild. I'm like, how mm. are you that fast? Anyways, I, she, and on top of it, she's a ton of fun. Like I said, her and I hit up the casino all the time. We made friends with the, the, uh, pit boss and she was, you know, throwing us free dinners. So we'd stay and hang out and play blackjack more or craps or whatever the heck it was that we had going that day. But, um, her and I drove across the country together, just having wow. ourselves a time. So, yeah, I love it. Doesn't surprise me, you know. Uh, well, <laughs> if you ever talk to her again, uh, it, I will. Tell her I said hi. Uh, did you find figure skating hard to do? I mean, obviously it's hard to do, but uh, the whole Battle of the Blades thing—you're on TV. You've got to really make progress quick. You, you know, it's not like oh, I might learn over the course of the next year. You've got to really get up there and compete, and you succeeded. So, yeah, you know, I, I guess the what I'm asking is, was it Harder than you thought to learn to figure skate, and yeah, you, you did it with a legend, Dave Pelichek. Yeah, no, thank God! Oh my gosh! I mean, he's God. Olympic he winner. He carried me around the whole time. I barely skated. Let's be honest; he just carried me around. Um, but it was hard because I was um, I would train hockey in the morning, and then I'd put my figure skates on and go figure skate. And hockey is like shoulders over knees, knees over toes, aggressive, right? Yeah. Whereas figure skating is like hips and tits. Like that's what you're presenting. That's so. What, and- and you're spinning, and you're and he's spinning you around like That's, at your at five seven. You know you're not you're not you're you're not big. I'm not, but I'm saying no. But I'm big some of those successful ones are four foot eleven. So like that. you know, yeah. And I was so. a buck forty. I was at my playing weight. Like I was probably a buck thirty five then because I probably didn't put on weight for him. Or I probably lost it because I was training so much. He's incredible. He's the strongest man pound for pound that you'll ever meet in your entire life. Huh. That guy. Oh, that he that could was, lift you one handed over his head. It, it's unreal. Yeah. Um, but he would spin me the first time he spun me fast, he broke blood vessels under my eyes. Um, and so if you ever watch any of our routines, all of our spins, the element was done at the end, right at the end. Yeah. Of our- and often you like give him a hug. I'm wondering, are you doing that yeah. for balance? Cause I yes. would be, that's okay. it. I mean, you hug, but you know what I'm saying? A couple of times Nothing. it looked like you were no. like, okay, I need just a few seconds here. <laughs> Done. And that was okay. it. That was our plan. Every time you have to hold me up and we would pretend he'd be like, he'd be talking to me. That was awesome. Good job. Let me know when you're ready. Are you okay? Can I let you go? Do you want me to, to put my arm? Like, do you want to do arm or over arm? Or do you want to hold hand skating up? Like, it would be like a plan. Like, are you like, or sometimes it'd be like, are you going to barf? <laughs> and it was like, I want to, but like, and we'd be yeah, standing with the judge and the judges would be. would be doing this because I was still. I, you probably concussed me. Like I don't know. I don't know how you can spin like that and be okay. You know? Uh, no, I can't either, honestly. And just knowing that you're a hockey player doing it, like you know, so you know, I, I'm looking at it going, okay, like you learned, like I did, yeah. and I would be very uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Oh, Incredibly uncomfortable. Even bending in those positions. Not that you're yeah. not flexible, but those people train for it their whole lives, and you know. And then they have like. So one of the things they call it a Detroiter, uh, where he's like, all right, so you're going to stand in front of me and then you're going to jump and I'm going to pick you up. I'm like, okay, how? And he's like, well, I'm going to grab you by your neck. I'm like, okay. And he's like, and I'm going to basically grab you by your crotch and like 
pick you up and then spin you one hand holding onto your crotch. I'm like, really? Is this yeah. normal? Like, this is what you guys do? Like, do you need my okay to do this? Or are you telling me I have to do this? You know? Oh God. It's just so yeah. much training. We got a puck. So it just, it never, even practice doesn't feel like. No practice <laughs> you know exactly so, there it's it, like and then it's like you can't forget anything everything's got to be on time you always have to smile no matter what when like in hockey you mess up a little bit you're like mm. like you can like get back into it there you have to smile even bigger and you it's like incredibly it's it's an incredibly hard sport and i will say pairs figure skating which is what we did in battle of the blades should be categorized as an extreme sport that is an extreme sport like mm-hmm. the women that are in that sport are crazy. They're crazy what they do. The way the guys toss them, they're spinning. I'm like, you know what? Kudos to the dudes. You're strong, whatever you can do that. But it's it's an extreme sport for the women. They're uh, no, no, to, trust me. I I watched, I've gone back and I I watched that often um when it was on the go, just because of that curiosity, how hockey players would deal with it. You and, should get uh, on it if it comes back, man. Um you'd be perfect. If it did, I would try it out. Yeah. Just finished. There's my dad. He's, that's the cue to go. Hi, isn't it? We're heading out. We're heading out to San Francisco for the Labor Day weekend show. Tessa Bonham. <laughs> how uh, you doing? Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Not too bad. Y'all you go me? We're on. No, yeah. we're on, we're no, on the air. Don't, don't. He doesn't want to. Okay, I got him up some magazine. Well, in other words, he played in the WHA. He played the game. I know that's what's oh, coming next. Yeah, I know that's what's coming next. Oh, okay. Nice. baby. I was a bonus, baby. Okay. Third, third round. Five minutes, I'm gone. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love he loved, that. He loves Fridays. We go down now. I'll go down and uh, watch Penny Lane's. She's got like a provincial camp. They're going to, they're going to, and you, you really are like, you're, you're a, a role model for her. She knows all about you. And uh, her favorite athlete is Christine St. Clair plays in Portland. So I didn't realize she was going to play this year. And we're going to try to go down and see that. Do but it. Uh, Penny Lane has that now. And then at six o'clock, we'll all go back, me and my buddies, into my dad's. As in Friday, every Friday, we have some beers and everything. So that's cool. I did. And it. it's nice weather. So he's pretty pumped. Oh, yeah. um, look, it's I'd like to do volume two sometimes because I want to ask you a few other things. I'm curious, um, you know, as to who's the hardest to deal with coming out of the corner. I know you got to deal with that a lot down low play. Um, you know, girls with their hardest shots, yeah. speed, you know, there, there's obvious names out there, but there, I know there's people that people wouldn't think of that I'm sure you've played with and respect. I want to know what it was like to play in Ohio state with people on uh, team USA while you're playing, you know, cause there's my D partner pride for your school. And then there's pride for your country. And then there's yeah. love competition. And I want to ask about your trainer, Caleb, I think it is. There's a, there's so many things that we didn't really get to, and I got a speed round. So maybe someday okay. towards the end of the summer. Oh, yeah. Um, you Anytime, know, testing and all that stuff. For sure. Always down. Okay, good. Well, Tessa, good I really daughter. appreciate you being here today. I really do. And, uh, of course, um, I, I'm sure our paths will cross again. I hope. And uh, say hello to Eddie. Well, I'm sure they will. Uh, hopefully, if we uh, – if we get some more Shorzy done, if people like season two, fingers crossed. And uh, but anyway, say hi to Eddie. And we'll, uh, we'll have you know, to let Kiso. We'll have to let Kiso know to to uh, book my film dates when you're up, so I can take you out on the town and show you a thing or two. For sure. I didn't know till I was up there that you were from Sudbury. Yeah, man. Uh, so that's uh, and I love that. I want to get into that. I love it. I think there's a, if I was there, I'd I have a few ideas for downtown Sudbury. And right now, yesterday they just. Downtown St. John's is all pedestrian now. They just cut off all of it, Amazing. all the vehic- vehicular traffic. So 
little coffee shops that never had a patio before. You just put them out. So it's all Amazing. patios. It's like the market in Ottawa now. Proper. People are just walking around. And I think Sudbury, if you listen to me, city councillors, I think someone could, because it's beautiful. Big lake right in the middle of the city. I know. Perfect size downtown. You can walk almost everywhere. It's very spread out. Um, but I mean, downtown and like to, to the game, the game is right there amongst all the restaurants and bars. It's perfect. It I is. love it. I hope to see you there again soon. Take care, bud. Thanks a lot, Tessa. Okay, folks. That was my friend, Tessa Bonham. Thanks a lot. It was a great conversation. I know that some of you sent me questions that I didn't get to, and uh, I will the next time. Hopefully, we'll have her on in a few short months, maybe. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you're downtown St. John's, I'll tell you where I'm going to go tonight. I'm going to go to the Bull and Barrel. I'm going to go to Trinity Pub, TJ's Pub, Green Sleeves, the Rob Roy Confusion, and the Martini Bar. And if you're going for a bite to eat, why not do it at Merchant Tavern? Why not go to Blue on Water and Wedgwood Cafe? If you're looking to work out, strength and balance for the body and mind. Ryan Power, power conditioning. He trains Alex Newhook and a lot of other uh, young prospects coming up. And he's uh, one of my good friends and my trainer. So uh, strength and balance, body and mind. Rope Walk Lane, power conditioning. If you want to go to Mr. Lube, there's two locations in St. John's, Torbay Road and Kemmel Road. Live, laugh, lube. Pitbull pain relief. The pain sticks that just don't quit. Pitbullpainrelief.com. Now to be found on Instagram, Pitbull Pain Relief. True hockey, take what's yours. Folks, be back in just a few days with more Tales with TR. Thanks to Tessa Bonham. Have a great weekend. Catch you on the rebound.